0: In the aftermath of the First Crusade, the first monarch of the newly established Crusader State of Jerusalem, Baldwin I, spent his days tirelessly campaigning against the various independent cities that still spanned the coastline. The Levant was home to a wealth of rich and ancient fortresses, most of which were still occupied by the Egyptian Fatimids and could still be supplied by sea, leading to little hope of capture by the Crusader States. The Italian maritime powers often provided naval support to the kingdom in return for trade rights. Yet manpower remained a real issue. Multitudes of Europeans had attempted to emulate the successes of the First Crusade in the years immediately following it. Yet most, like the expedition of 1101, met with catastrophic failure and total defeat by the Turks of Anatolia, who were unwilling to make the same mistakes they had between 1096 and 1099. Nevertheless, by 1110, After a decade of campaigning, and despite a lack of manpower, Baldwin's tireless work had met with some real, genuine success. Arsuf and Caesarea fell in 1101, thanks to Genoan support, and the important city of Acre fell in 1104. In 1109, the important city of Tripoli finally fell after a siege of seven long years, and was established as the capital of a final, fourth Crusader state, the County of Tripoli. Yet despite these victories, Many of the knights and soldiers that had initially conquered Jerusalem in 1099 were now getting old. Fresh warriors were needed from Western Europe in order to consolidate the kingdom. It was then, in the summer of 1110, as the defenders on the walls of Acre gazed out into the blue waters of the Mediterranean, that they saw the unmistakable dragon heads of Norse longboats ploughing through the waters at full speed, sails resplendent in the heat of the day. Finally, after a decade of attempted and failed expeditions, a Crusader army had made it to the Holy Land from Europe. Unlike the other expeditions that had attempted to emulate the near miraculous success of the First Crusade by taking the dangerous overland route through the hostile territories of Asia Minor, this crusade plied the old sea roads that their ancestors had once trodden to pillage and raid. Like their forefathers before them, these men had come to raid, but they now did it in the name of their new religion. Upon the bow of his flagship stood Sigurd, the King of Norway, the first European monarch to take the cross, and successfully travel to the Holy Land. He had spent the last three years rampaging around the Muslim cities of Spain and the western Mediterranean, and now he and his axe-wielding army of Norsemen had come to wreak havoc against the Muslims of the Levant. The Norwegian Crusade had arrived. Sigurd had probably been born back in the late 1080s. He was the son of Magnus Barefoot, King of Norway, and the great-grandson of the famous Harald Hardrada. The blood of the Vikings still ran through the veins of this Norwegian royal family. As early as 1098, Sigurd accompanied his father on campaign to the Orkneys, the Hebrides and the Irish Sea, where he sought to solidify his rule over the rebellious Jarls that ruled there. Whilst it's unknown whether Sigurd remained in the Irish Sea after this expedition, he is recorded as having been made King of the Isles, after his father overthrew the previous ruler to hold this title. In 1102, Magnus returned to Britain to again cement his rule over the North scales of the Isles. This time, Magnus made an alliance with an Irish king, the great-grandson of Brian Boru. He also allied himself to the ruler of Dublin. Sigurd, in his early teens at the time, was to marry the king's daughter... In 1103 however, Magnus was ambushed and killed by an Irish army, in an event that threatened to throw the kingdom into political turmoil. In actuality, any potential disaster was averted by Sigurd's remarkably warm relationship with his two brothers, Eysten and Olaf, with whom he ruled the kingdom jointly in an almost unprecedented peaceful relationship. It was this friendly brotherly relationship that would usher in a period of peace in Norway, which would later be remembered as a golden age, and ultimately allow the Norwegians to launch an expedition to the Holy Land. By 1107, their treasury filled to the brim by Magnus' recent activity in the Irish Sea, and the relatively peaceful and prosperous realm that the Three Brothers ruled over, Sigurd decided to do what every other Western European monarch had failed to do up until this point, to take the cross and go to the Holy Land, to help solidify the Crusader states that had recently been founded there. All of the brothers wanted to go, but Sigurd was chosen as the Crusade's leader, whilst the others would remain to govern the country. In 1107, Sigurd set off with a force of 60 ships, and somewhere between 5,000 and 10,000 men. They overwintered in England at the court of Henry I, before heading south to Galicia, in modern-day northern Spain. Whilst there, they spent the winter in the town of Santiago de Compostela, a Christian power base in the region that had never been conquered by the invading Moors in the 8th century. In a precursor to the events of the next three years, however, Sigurd and his men eventually attacked the local lord's castle and looted food, supplies and riches at will, until they finally moved on in the spring. In the first major engagement of the war, the Crusaders attacked a fleet of pirates on the Portuguese coast capturing eight Saracen galleys and a castle at Sintra, where they spectacularly scaled the walls with ropes, before sacking and looting the fortress. Next on the agenda was Lisbon, a half-Muslim, half-Christian city at the time, which was looted and briefly occupied. They met more pirates on their way through the Straits of Gibraltar, before finally making their way to the Balearic Islands, long a centre of piratical activity. It was there, whilst attacking Ibiza and Menorca, that Sigurd and his men allegedly acquired the greatest riches of the whole expedition. They avoided the largest and best fortified of the islands, Majorca, although their successes probably inspired Catalans to reconquer the islands briefly over the next few years. After a stay in Sicily in 1109-1110, where they were put up by their distant Norman kinsmen, the Norwegian Crusade finally arrived in the Holy Land in the summer of 1110. After anchoring his ships at Acre, Sigurd rode to Jerusalem to meet King Baldwin, The two warmly embraced one another and rode to the river Jordan, where Sigurd may have been baptised in the holy waters. Apparently Sigurd is said to have asked Baldwin to name one city that he most wished to capture. Baldwin named Sidon, and together the two armies travelled north to the city, Sigurd by sea and Baldwin by land. After a siege of 47 days, and with the aid of a Venetian fleet, Sigurd's men scaled the city walls from their longboats, and slaughtered the local garrison with their hefty battle axes. As a sign of friendship, and as thanks for his assistance, a piece of the true cross was given to the Norwegian king, provided that he promised to convey it safely back to the shrine of St. Olaf in Norway. Thus concluded one of the few entirely successful crusades in history. By Baldwin's death in 1118, only the coastal cities of Ascalon and Tyre remained in Muslim hands. entire rest of the coast having been conquered. Sigurd and his men eventually left the Holy Land in 1111, making their way north to the Eastern Roman capital of Constantinople. Sigurd's great-grandfather, Harald Hardrada, fought for the Byzantines for a decade in the 1030s before he became king in Norway. And as such, Sigurd may have felt a special connection with the city. Indeed, a large number of his men remained there in the place they called Miklagard to take up imperial service in the Varangian Guard, as Harald had once done. Sigurd was greatly impressed by the Emperor Alexius Comnenus, and seems to have given away nearly all of the treasure and wealth he had gathered over the past four years. In return, the Emperor offered his gratitude and a vast number of horses to take the king home to Norway. The journey home may have taken as long as up to three years. Sigurd travelled through Serbia, Bulgaria, Hungary and Bavaria where he met with the kings of the various countries and the Holy Roman Emperor Lothar, before finally arriving in Denmark, where he was given a ship to take him home. Upon arriving back in Norway, Sigurd found his nation a flourishing and prosperous realm. Whereas Sigurd was given the name Crusader, his brothers had developed reputations as peacekeepers. Finally, in 1123, Sigurd went on a crusade of sorts again, this time to Smarland in modern-day Sweden, where the locals had apparently renounced their Christian faith and began practising paganism once more. Little did Sigurd know that this expedition would be one of the first acts in a new era of crusading, known as the Northern Crusades, which would be directed against the pagan inhabitants of the Baltic coasts and beyond for centuries to come. Upon Eiston's death in 1123... Sigurd became the sole ruler of Norway. He left no legitimate male heirs, however, and upon his death in 1130, a violent power struggle erupted between rival claimants. This conflict would eventually escalate into a century-long period of brutal civil war in Norway that would tear the country apart until the mid-13th century. This is a brand new podcast, so if you like what you heard, the best way to help the show out is to leave a review on iTunes. This is the best way for new podcasts to grow and for people to find the show. You can also find tons more historical material over on the History Time social media links. We're on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. If you really like what you heard and want to help me to keep making new podcasts, videos and articles, then the best way to help is to become a patron at www.patreon.com forward slash historytimeuk. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll help me to keep making material, get sneak previews of what I'm working on, and gain the opportunity to vote on upcoming videos and podcasts. I'm Pete Kelly, and you've been listening to History Time. See you on the next one.